This is Internet Marketing for Smart People Radio. I am Robert Bruce, and today, Seth Godin's on the line. If you don't know Mr. Godin, he is the author of more than a dozen worldwide best-selling books. He's an accomplished entrepreneur and a legendary independent online publisher. You can grab all the details of his storied career by Googling just one word, Seth. And Seth, since I blame you for the idea of giving my stuff away online back in 2005 and therefore indirectly creating my current professional situation, it's a very real pleasure to be talking to you today. Well, I'm pleased that it ended that way. I thought you were about to blame me for something that was out of my control. So thank you. If you'll give me just one moment for a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right into your definition of marketing, when we should start marketing our products, services, and ideas, and quite a bit more. This radio show is brought to you by Internet Marketing for Smart People, which is Copyblogger's online marketing course that's delivered straight to your email inbox. Here's what it is. A systematic overview of the very best of Copyblogger in 20 emails. That's it. Covers six years of experience teaching on content marketing, email marketing, the basics of good copywriting, social media marketing, and a lot more. And it's totally free. 78,000 people have signed up for this course, and if you want to join them, just head over to copyblogger.com, scroll down to the middle of our homepage, and you'll see the headline, Grab Our Free 20-Part Internet Marketing Course. Drop your email address into the little box, and we'll take care of the rest. Seth, you wrote a deceptively simple blog post back in March of this year that stopped me cold. It's titled, When Should We Add Marketing? And I think it addresses and challenges some commonly held beliefs about marketing that most folks who are trying to spread a product, service, or idea hold. And it might seem an elementary question to some, but in order to meaningfully frame the next few minutes, let me ask you, what is marketing? Well, the easy answer is it's not advertising. Uh, And a lot of people have trouble right there because for 50 years it was advertising. Mad Men was all about this notion that if you ran enough ads, they didn't have to be good. You just had to run enough. They would pay for themselves. It was a perpetual motion machine of money. That ended a few years ago. And I would like to describe marketing as uh, the art of telling a story that resonates with your audience and then spreads. And that story better be true which means that implicit in marketing is making something for which or about which you could tell a story that resonates. And this is almost diametrically opposed to what every big company marketer in the world does and lots of little company marketers who think they're supposed to copy big company marketers. They think their job is to, quote, get the word out and that they have a moral... Uh, right and, and, a, and a professional obligation to interrupt everyone they can to talk about their average stuff for average people. I've heard you tell it before, but I love your description of why this has changed. Some of it's obvious, you know, the change in media, the change in the world with everything coming or most of media coming online. But why has this changed so radically from the old Mad Men era culture that, uh, that, that our culture is leaving behind to this new culture that you describe? Well, we all grew up learning about the Industrial Revolution. Every revolution then brings an age behind it. The Industrial Revolution created the Industrial Age. What was hard about the industrial age was making stuff. Henry Ford didn't get rich because he ran good commercials. He got rich because he made a car 
better for the money than anyone ever had before. So for half a century, making stuff was key. Then once you got factories up and running making stuff, there's a demand for mass media. We invented television to make advertisers happy, not the other way around. Uh, And so in the second era, the mass media era, we've got lots and lots of attention because television manufactured attention and we needed to grab that attention and turn it into money. And the thing that's going on now is attention is now scarce. It's not abundant anymore. There's a million or a billion channels to choose from, not three. There is a store one click away that sells every item ever made as opposed to the local store where shelf space was scarce. All of those things undermine the importance of making average stuff because it's easier than ever before. You can design something on your computer, send an email to China, and a month later it comes back and you didn't have to do anything. Right? The hard part isn't getting shelf space because everyone gets the same amount of shelf space on Amazon as everybody else. The hard part is earning attention and trust. And nothing that Henry Ford did was about attention or trust. And one thing seems to be carried over from that older era. It's, it's very popular to do, and that is the, the practice of interruption. Why doesn't interruption work? Well, interruption does work unless your interruptions are being interrupted. Uh, interruption works when, you know, if you stand up uh, in church and start screaming and yelling, everyone will notice you. They may not trust you, but they'll notice you. What has happened is the amount of interruption, the amount of noise, I've gone from getting two emails a day to 450. So you can interrupt my email box all you want. It's not going to work. And so we replaced this idea that you could steal my attention with an idea that you could earn it and I have to pay it to you. I can't get it back because once attention is gone, it's gone forever. But the person who owns attention has built an asset worthwhile. And I would say to your listeners, name one company that has gone on the internet and built a brand, a jingle, a slogan, or a logo. The answer is none. That the internet doesn't build those things the way TV does. What the internet builds is connection. And every successful internet company and every successful internet marketer is successful for that and only that reason. They have earned attention, built trust, and turned it into profit. All right. I'm going to ask you a little bit later for an example or two of folks, individuals or companies that are doing that well. But even good marketing, real marketing, as you've described earlier, gets a bad rap from people in certain corners of the internet. It's a a word that's called all kinds of inaccurate things and associated with all kinds of uh, people and practices. But I think you're arguing something very valuable here, and that's that we're all already marketing for better or worse. And that true marketing almost by definition lies at the very core of dreaming up and making astonishing products, services, or ideas. Is that about right? Oh yeah, it's totally right. You know, the problem given how good we are at making up words is we don't have a word for the other kind of marketing to distinguish it from this kind of marketing. And I'll accept partial responsibility because I haven't thought of a good one yet, but you know, The guy who's selling get-rich-quick $99 a month PDFs that are exclusive to you, blah, 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 and then slams some extra charges on your charge card, tells his mother-in-law he's a marketer. And I don't see how he could be any more different than the marketer that brought us the iPad. But both guys are marketers. And 
you're correct that there's a lot of people who look askance at it. But if you ever went on a first date or if you ever tried to raise money for your charity, you're a marketer too. To be very clear then, according to your post uh, and, the, and the major point that you bring up in it, when should we start marketing our product, service, or idea? Well, before you have your product, service, or idea. You know, how do you decide that running a service that's going to help homeowners lower their property taxes is worth your time and effort? The decision to do it is a marketing decision, right? That the implementation of it isn't difficult anymore. The implementation of importing rugs from Turkey or the implementation of deciding to build a new kind of social network, the, the coding isn't hard. The hard part is marketing it, telling a story about it that people choose to listen to. So, you know, I, I, I did a post shortly uh, after the When Should We Had marketing post about sea monkeys. And, you know, anyone who grew up reading comics knows about the sea mm-hmm. monkeys. If you ever ordered them, you didn't get the, the king and the queen and the kid little happy monkey thing. You got microscopic brine shrimp. Hmm. And if you turned off the lights and used a flashlight, millions of them would swim around. That's how you train them. Well, clearly the marketer had nothing to do with the guy who put the brine shrimp in the packet. They said to the marketer, we got a bunch of brine shrimp in a packet. Come up with a way to sell them. And if your job is to sell somebody else's sea monkeys, it's an interesting intellectual problem, but it's not the marketing I'm talking about. That can't exist today. Well, I'm not sure I'm ready to buy that. I think there are lots of people who are successfully selling average stuff to average people because we love a story and we like to be entertained and we're going to buy stuff. My argument is, given the choice, the purest form of marketing starts from scratch. That if you're an ad agency, your big win is to let your client have you sit in the product development meetings because then you can help them design products that don't need advertising. But if all you're going to do is sit there and wait for them to bring their average stuff, you've made your job much harder. What does this look like, Seth? What does this storytelling look like digitally online today? Give us an example of one good way to tell a story over time about your company, about your your idea, about your product. Well, you know, a lot of times what's going on is you're not telling a story about what the industrialist would have thought. So if I think about uh, Tom's shoes, Tom uh, Blake tells a story that if you buy this pair of shoes, you will be part of a hip group in your community. Plus, you'll have a story you can tell everyone, which is an identical pair went to someone who doesn't have shoes. right? So he doesn't tell a story about the fabric or the workmanship. He tells a story about what your act of buying did. right? And you do that year after year after year, and you end up selling literally millions of shoes that way. That's really different than saying, I can prove... My shoe is better than your shoe, and if you don't buy it, you're an idiot. All right, and to give, uh, finally, to give a vivid picture of what this can look like, and you gave great, great example with Tom's shoes, but I'd, I'd like to close asking you for one more or maybe two examples of people or companies who are embracing marketing for what it truly is, as you've described it here, adding, quote-unquote, adding marketing from the very beginning and all the way through, rather than plopping it on, Uh, at the very end of the sales process and bringing it to market? Okay, well, I'm always loath to do this because inevitably the person I pick then does something that I didn't know about and the story 
people say, see, you shouldn't have picked that. <laughs> I mean, you know, poor Tom Peters after In Search of Excellence, which was loaded with great stories, 80% of the companies had a hiccup. Not his fault, of course. It's for analogies purposes. But let me tell you about Shepard Ferry, who uh, most people have heard of. He's the most famous yep. fine, fine artist of the century. So Shepard Ferry is a talented graphic artist. But there's millions of talented graphic artists. And they look at the fine art market where someone might get paid $50,000 or $100,000 to, to, for one painting. And they say, that's good work if you can get it. And they go to the old system of how do I get a gallery owner to recognize me? How do I get a show? And then how do I get a bigger show? And they're struggling. They, we invented the word starving artist for a reason. Well, Shepard did none of that. Shepard said, I am going to make art with a story and I'm going to organize it to spread. And so he put it for free on the wall. He was arrested more than 30 times putting his art on the walls of buildings in Los Angeles and in Boston and in New York. Mm. So, I mean, that is a real commitment to what I'm talking about in that he didn't charge a thing. In fact, he was willing to go to jail to spread the art. Well, over time, Shepard builds a blog and that blog builds a mailing list and then he starts doing something where uh, once or twice a week he will post that he has a new limited edition piece coming out and you can buy it for between 40 and 100 bucks. He has to change what time he posts it because so many people want to buy it that he needs to make it sort of random. Many of the people who buy it turn around and resell it for 500 or 1000 bucks to a collector because everything is limited. And over time, he built this tribe of people who identified with his art and identified with the way um, he spread it and started moving his way up the food chain to the point where one of his works is sold for over $100,000 for an original. And he's had you know, a major New York City show. But he, it was in inevitable that he would get there because step by step, bit by bit. He spread a story. He built a tribe. He earned permission. He made connections. He did art that people recognize. It's iconic. I mean, it's all of these steps built in to what he was trying to build. And you said it just now, but I can hear a small business owner out there saying, okay, I, I understand what's going on. I see all of this, but I don't have the time. I don't, how do I make this happen now online? I've got to get my stuff out there. I've got to make sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes hard work and all of this, but can I just get a bunch of money together and make something happen? Come on. What about the old days? What, what would you say to- I'm uh, so glad. So glad you brought that up. That in fact is not what they're saying. What they're saying is, I like the industrial era. I like the industrial age. I've got this pile of mediocre stuff. Help me sell it. Hmm. Oh, and then they say, by the way, I hate marketing. Well, the reason you hate marketing is you're doing it the old way and you're trying to push and trick and cajole and interrupt your way into someone buying your slightly better than average stuff for slightly better than average pricing. And I'm like, great, have fun. But don't tell me that's the future because it's not. And please don't ask me to give you countless examples of folks who used funnels and, and, and sales pitches to get that busy average person to notice them instead of their competitor and buy it. Not the way it works now. Mm. So if you want the wind at your back, take a deep breath, prepare to get rich slow, and you will get rich slow by emulating this connection economy process that is relentlessly successful as opposed to herking and jerking from come on to scheme to come on and scheme 
And in the long run, you're going to get nowhere. Would it be fair to say that, that you're stating uh, that that old world is gone? You know, maybe not completely. Of course, we still see some vestiges of it and, and some pretty powerful vestiges of it, but it's gone. Like we don't have a choice, right? This is not a choice between one or two. The, the, the choice is to proceed as you've described. I think that if you want to hang in there, you're going to be able to hang in there for a while. I think that if you want to grow, I don't know how you can do it that way. The model is really simple. Dell Computer can't do it anymore. Mm. Dell Computer's model is probably more similar to yours than my model is. And if you look at Dell Computer and you say, why can't Dell Computer grow? Why can't Dell Computer sell more of its PCs using its brand and logo, blah, blah, blah? Mm -hmm. It's because consumers are too smart for that. And when everything is a click away, we're just not going to give you our our attention because it's important to you. This has been Internet Marketing for Smart People Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like what's going on here, a great way to support the show is to head over to iTunes and drop a rating or comment there. You have all been very kind to us with your ratings, and it's greatly appreciated. Seth, where would you like people to find you online? Well, you know, my main goal in doing my work is not to sell stuff. I'm trying to sell an idea. I put my ideas on my blog. There's 4,500 of them to choose from. That's probably a fine place to start. You can find my blog by typing in Seth uh, or go to sethgodin.com and you can see some of the work I've done. Mr. Godin, you have taught and shown a generation how to do this marketing thing ethically, artistically, and remarkably. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Keep spreading the word and thanks for the good work you and the rest of the guys there do. Oh, <laughs>